So, so what uh, Mitch failed to say there is that I am the associate pastor, but I get to wear two hats, and uh, I am also the youth pastor. So, <laughs> um, but don't worry, I uh, will not be quoting any chance the, the rapper lyrics. If I had the hat with the number three, I might wear it, but uh, um, just to try to be cool. I don't know, you know, do what you, do what it, do what you can to try to be cool. So um, real quick, before we start the sermon series, I just wanted to point out, um, we are, it's just two-week series on the harvest, right? And um, two weeks ago, uh, Mitch talked to me about preaching last week about the harvest, and he was going to do the Thanksgiving. And I was like, cool, because we just did a little sermon series about the harvest in youth groups. So I had all my notes already. I was good to go. And then uh, he says, I'm going to do week one, and you're going to do week two. And then he got sick and preached week one, and then I got sick, and now I'm preaching week two. So, um, I mean, I think God had a hand in that somewhere along the line. But um, one thing that I am extremely thankful for this holiday is loved ones. And um, most of you know, those of you who are new or haven't been here before, I'm from Ohio. We've been here about four years now. Um, and we have a lot of friends back there that come and visit that we stay in contact with. Um, a lot of y'all got to meet them because uh, Chloe just graduated high school. And one of them uh, is my good friend Tim Faulkner and his son Braden. Uh, who's, how old's Braden? Seven? Eight? So he is doing a project in school called Flat Stanley. Has anyone ever heard of this? Okay, so Flat Stanley's going to chill with me this morning uh, up here so that we can take pictures. And send back to Ohio. He was supposed to go on a plane ride Thursday, but that got canceled. Um, so he's going to get to chill on a pulpit in front of Redeemer City Church somehow. Maybe I'll just, uh, maybe he'll hang out there <laughs> if that's good. Amy, make sure you get pictures of Flat Stanley. Maybe I'll grab him for extra emphasis at some point when people aren't. Uh, if somebody falls asleep, I'll just come over and put Flat Stanley in their face and really give it to him. But um, so that's one thing that I, oh, look, he even wrote Braden on the back. See, that's my, he's. He's awesome. He's such a good kid. And uh, Amy babysat him for a long time. Um, the girl, my daughters are just in love with him. I mean, you know, it's, he's a good kid. So Flat Stanley's going to hang out for a little bit. Um, what's that? Flat Stanley? Yeah, there we go. Flat Stanley might be bringing sermons one day. Um, but anyways, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I know it's Thanksgiving week. Um, as Mitch said, this will be one of those cliche messages about what to be thankful for. There's going to be two parts at the beginning and at the end where I want you guys to participate. Okay, everybody good with that? Everybody say okay. Okay, cool. This is the first part. What are we happy for on Thanksgiving? About Thanksgiving itself. What are some of the things that you look forward to when Thanksgiving rolls around? Go ahead. Pie. Pie. Food. These are the answers I want right now. Come on. Huh? Pumpkin chunk. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, Mitch needs some. You got any on you? What else? Come on, there's more. Football. Family gathering. Anything else? Jesus. That's that's at the end. Crowd participation at the end. All right. uh, Anything else? What'd you say? There you go. Four-day weekend, baby. That was on my list. I knew somebody would get it. Sleeping in. Four-day weekend. Football. Who said football? Big Nick. It was that you, Nate? Football, baby. So, so, turducken, there it is. It's all good stuff, man. It's all good stuff to be thankful for. Football, you know, I just, I heard this story the other day. Speaking of football, and it was a great story to tie in to the message about thankfulness. And it was a story about a young man who uh, won through this contest where he had to write in and write this essay. And he won a ticket to go to the Super Bowl. 
Um, he was a teenage kid. I don't know. He's like 14 or 15 or something. So his parents let him go. It was only one ticket. So he was so thankful afterwards that he wrote another essay about how thankful he was and sent it to the editor. And he sent all this stuff out and he was just overwhelmed with thanks. You know, I mean, he was so appreciative and excited that he got this opportunity to do this. So he goes to the game and he's by himself. So it's different for him. It's his first football game and everything. And it's the Super Bowl. Who in here, show of hands, would like to go to a Super Bowl? Did anybody go when it was in Tampa in here? Just curious. Nobody. Okay, good. You're all on my level. It's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, see me after class. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he goes and uh, he, he walks in. He's looking at his ticket. He finds his section. He's on the first level. He can't find it. He's on the second level. He can't find it. He gets all the way up to the nosebleed seats. And as he's going up steps, his uh, level of gratitude is slowly going down, right? He's like, man, this was going to be awesome, but now I can't see anything. So he goes all the way up to the top row, and he's sitting there, and he's like, this stinks, man. I could have watched the game better at home, and I would have got to see the awesome commercials. So he's looking around, and he's like, is there an empty seat somewhere? So he starts going back down the rows, and he goes section by section. Finally, he gets right down to the field section, and sure enough, the very front row, he sees this little old man, and there's an empty seat next to him. So he walks down, and he says, "Uh, excuse me, sir, is this seat taken? And he's like, no, you can sit there. The kid's like, sweet. Now he's thankful again. He's all excited. He can see the game. He's right there. He could throw something and hit Tom Brady in the head. Yes, Tom Brady will probably be in the Super Bowl again. So um, so he sits down, and he's sitting there thinking, man, like I was so excited for a nosebleed seat. How, how come there's not somebody here? So he taps the guy, and he says, excuse me, sir, how is it that this amazing seat is open? And he goes, well, me and my wife have went to every Super Bowl together since the beginning of Super Bowls. And he's like, well, where is she? And he says, well, she recently passed away. And he's like, oh, wow. You know, and then he starts feeling this gratitude again that he gets to enjoy the Super Bowl with this guy. And he says, well, sir, I'm sure you have some family that could have possibly came with you, right? And he's like, well, they're all at the funeral. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, that was my uh, football story. So, uh, that was one laughter break. I don't know how many applause breaks I'll get from that one, but that's one laughter break. Uh, statistician in the back, please, you know, make sure you don't miss that one. So, uh, with that being said, if you think about the young man, you think about the old man in that story. Do you have a hard time being thankful on a daily basis? Is there an issue with gratitude in your life every day when you wake up? If you think about the young man, he had no problem with it when he thought he was getting everything he wanted, right? As soon as he found out it wasn't exactly what he wanted, he had an issue. Man, I don't know about you guys. I'd love to go sit in a nosebleed seat at a Super Bowl, right? And then you look at the old man. Does he have a problem with gratitude? Obviously, he was blessed to have those seats all those years at that huge event, right? That huge show that's put on that production, I'm sure he enjoyed an amazing marriage. I, you know, imagine guys marry a woman who goes to every Super Bowl with you and lets you blow that ridiculous amount of money on tickets to a team that you don't even care about. You know, that would be great, wouldn't it? And where is he? He's at the game, right? I know it's just a joke, but in that joke, what are your expectations? What are your expectations for thankfulness? If you think about it, every day when you wake up in the morning, what is it that you're searching for inside of your soul that's going to make you thankful that day? What's going to provide joy in your life that day? It's a tough question, isn't it? If you really stop and think about it, 
We take one day and we set it aside and we go, Thanksgiving, it's going to be great. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, we like to, to say something that we're thankful about, you know, and we get together with family and we have this big dinner and then we do watch football and then we do have this four-day weekend, all the things that we talked about, and it's great. But why is it that weekend? Why is it just that weekend that we set aside and we call it Thanksgiving? Um, we're going to get into the book of Colossians. So if you guys want to turn to Colossians and find it, it's a, it's a short book. Um, so if you turn there. I'm just going to kind of run through the preface of it and the the setup of the story that's taking place here. So this is another uh, apostle written by Paul. Um, This is one of the prison apostles. He wrote it from in, you know what I'm talking about, epistle. Um, So he he wrote it from in prison in Rome. Now, the, the town of Colossae was a small town. At one point it was great. It had the main trade routes from the north and from the south to the north and the east and the west intersected right in that town. Now, when Paul came through that town and he was uh, going to plant churches, there was literally a detour that took him away from that trade route and over to Ephesus, where he went and planted the church in Ephesus, okay? While planting that church, it grew, all right? And there was a young man uh, who came into that church, and his name was Epaphras, right? And he heard Paul's preaching about Jesus Christ. He heard about salvation, and he loved it. And he was grateful for it, and he was excited about it, and he was on fire from it, right? And he was in that town of Colossae, and he had came up to hear Paul's preaching. So then he came there and heard this, and he went several years later, and he planted this church. He started this church. And just like a lot of churches in the time, uh, Gnosticism crept in, and there was this Pharisee that was taking, or heresy that was taking place. And people had this idea that God is great, but flesh is weak. I preached about this out of the book of Jude, I think it was the last time that I preached, the same thing was going on, right? So this is happening in his church. Now, what he does is he leaves, and they're about 100 miles away, uh, Ephesus and Colossae. So he leaves there, and he goes and plants that church. All this stuff happens, and then he heads to Rome to find Paul, okay? The, The guy who gave him this amazing grace that he's so thankful for. And he goes and finds Paul, and he says, will you help me out? Okay, this has started to happen. It's creeping in. It's tearing apart my church. I need your help. Okay, lead me, right? So Paul pens this letter. And if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, verse 1 and 2, they always had the the salutations were at the beginning, right, when Paul penned a letter. So he introduced himself, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. And if you look at verse 3, Paul starts with this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. What an amazing sentiment to start a letter to a church that's failing miserably, right? And if you go on through the first chapter, he just talks about how amazing God's grace is, how amazing Jesus is, that he came there through Paul and preached this word and that this gentleman heard it and went and planted this church. Now, let me, let me ask you guys, in your daily prayers, do you thank God for your fellow Christians? Are you thankful for that? Because if you think about it, what if we were the only church? What if it was us sitting here and there wasn't another one? Probably wouldn't last too long, right? It'd be real easy to come and just wipe us out. Amen? You know what I'm saying? So Paul starts this letter by saying how thankful he is, right? Now, if you think about, um, we're talking about the harvest, okay? 
Now, what was Paul doing when he was planting these churches? You know, Paul, if you think about a harvest where, you know, you literally come in and chop down plants, right, crops, and you separate the bad from the good and you take the good and you use it, right? Think about Paul. Think about his life. He was literally chopped down, blinded, and left, right? He heard God's voice. He was persecuting Christians for believing in Jesus Christ, right? So now... Paul was literally harvested, okay? God called him. God took him. He blinded him on the road, and then he sent someone to come and say, listen, here's what you got to do. He went and planted this church seeking harvest. Like I just told you, we had a, a, a small sermon series and youth group about the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And in my Bible, I have written next to that scripture that it's dire circumstances. Why aren't we? You know, it's it's very urgent because the harvest is plentiful. If you look outside of these walls, if you look in this city, if you look at your place of employment, if you look inside of these walls, if you look right around you right now, there are people in here who need you. We need each other. We are a family. We need each other's help. Just as Epaphras needed Paul's help, he was thankful to Paul for giving him an amazing word. That totally changed the landscape of his life. He was grateful for that. So out of, out of gratefulness and out of thanks, he went to Paul and said, help me out, brother. Help me out, pastor. Help me out, shepherd. Right? And out of thanks, Paul pens this letter. This was his last home. This was Paul's last home, this prison cell. So from a prison cell, Paul writes this amazing letter. And if you turn ahead to Colossians chapter 2, uh, we're going to read a little bit more about how do we show thanks to Jesus according to Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. How you doing, Flat Stanley? You good? Flat Stanley's good, Amy. Get a picture of him. Hurry. Oh, you missed it. All right. He's cool. Sorry, guys. So, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. How do we show thanks to God? Like I said, very cliche type message, all right? We're going to be thankful today. We're going to be excited about Jesus Christ today. When we leave here today, if we're not excited about Jesus Christ, these mats up here are for kneeling and praying. I need you to come up here. We can open it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We all live right around here. Thankful for that. And uh, it took me 10 minutes to get here. We just moved this weekend from Clearwater. Awesome. Thankful for that, man. We were like... Girls were running late, as they always are, and we were still on time. It was amazing. So, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So how do we show thanks to Jesus? We live for him. Live for him. Romans 12 and 1. Will you put it up there, please? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, your spiritual thank you. It's what's called upon for you to do, to let your life be a living sacrifice and all things you do to show love to your fellow man, to show grace as God showed you grace, all right, to harvest, right? God calls us to go, 
to teach people, to tell people. You see, that's what Paul was doing when he planted that church in Ephesus. That's what Epaphras was doing when he planted that church in Colossae. He was harvesting, okay? The harvest is plentiful, but we have to be thankful for what we're called to do. And what are we called to do? We're called to live for him, only him. You see, we also just had a a little um, series in youth group, and a pastor put it this way. And we've all been asked this by non-believers, right? Who's been asked? You're religious, right? Who in here has been asked that question? Honestly, you're religious, right? And this pastor posed the question this way. Why do people ask us if we're religious and they don't ask us where our joy comes from? It's powerful. That's a powerful question, isn't it? Amen? Why don't they ask us where our joy comes from? Why don't they look at us and see joy? How are we living? How are we living? We're called to walk in him, to live for him. Does he promise that it's going to be easy, church? No. Does he promise that everything is going to be great? No. Does he promise that it's going to be perfect? No. Let me ask you this. When trouble comes, do you count it as joy? James tells us to. Right? James tells us to. Where are your priorities? What are your priorities? If you're lacking Thanksgiving, where are your priorities? I love this. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says to store up your treasures in heaven because that's where your heart will be, right? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says to set your affections on things above and not things below. In James chapter 5, he talks about how your garments are being, garments are being ate by moss and how your treasures of gold and silver are corroding away, right? So we have Jesus, we have Paul, and we have James, Jesus' brother, telling us not to put clout in what goes on down here. They're telling us in, in a few words like this that we should be a spiritual being having physical experiences, not a physical being having spiritual experiences, If you look at Sunday as I'm going to go get my spiritual experience for the week and then I'm going to go about my life wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to come here to hear from Christ only. You're supposed to spend the rest of your week hearing from Christ. You're supposed to spend your spare time serving him. You're supposed to let your life be a sacrifice. It's amazing. That's why I clapped out and was so excited to see everybody grab those kids. It's an amazing feeling. You know, when I was little, I didn't come from a lot. I had somebody from a local church, and we weren't in church, come and pick me and my brother and sister up and take us to get Christmas presents. I was one of those kids. It was an amazing feeling. It was awesome. One year I got a Troy Aikman poster and a rubber basketball. You know, inside of me I wanted to punt the basketball down the road and burn the Troy Aikman poster. (laughs) But, But it's what I got, you know. It's what I got. And I was grateful for it. I took that red, white, and blue globetrotter ball down to the park. And they had mini hoops so I could dunk. It was awesome. <laughs> they literally had mini hoops in our park. They were six foot tall. You just be, you know, Jordan with the tongue out to the side. It was the best. I was really thankful for that ball. But we're to be spiritually minded, not worldly minded. If we struggle with that, church, if it's an issue that you deal with every day, if it's, man, I got to make this money so I'll be happy. No, you got to make this money so that you can provide for your family and so that you can provide for others as well. 
not just your family. It's so that you can take that giving tree. It's so that you can help somebody with a meal. You know, when we're shown how to pray in the Bible, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Who at home has a pantry? Yeah, you got weekly bread, don't you? You should probably be thankful for that. Amen? Who, who got to choose from several pairs of shoes to put on this morning? Good problems to have, right, church? No, it's not. It's tough problems to have. They're tough problems to have. If that sometimes doesn't cause conflict in your heart, you need to get that right. You need to get that right. That should cause a conflict sometimes in your heart. You should look around and say, man, I'm really thankful that I'm blessed, but I really want to bless somebody. I really want to bless somebody. You see, that's what he saved you to do. He didn't save you to become a fat Christian. He didn't save you for that. He didn't save you to sit around and store up as much as you can for yourself. He saved you so that you could be like Paul. Paul says, I want to take part in the suffering of Christ. You know what they did to Paul? They eventually, what they would do is they, they walked him out of that prison and a couple miles down the road and eventually beheaded him. And it brought him great joy to write this letter. You know, I want to read to you what follows up verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 once again says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. We're rooted and built up in him. Nothing else. And established in the faith, the faith that he came and died and rose so that we could do the same one day if we put our trust in him. Just as we were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It should just be pouring out of us at all times. And then verse 8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Don't let the world dictate your joy. Don't let the world dictate your joy. You know, I'm going to probably not watch because i got too much stuff to do. But I'm going to check the score today, and my Cleveland Browns are going to lose their 10th game of the year. <laughs> and several years ago, that would have caused me a lot of pain. Amen, Amy? <laughs> And a lot of other people, because <laughs> if I'm miserable, God enjoy if everybody else was too. Uh, but, but God has delivered me from that, and it's awesome. It's a great feeling that my joy isn't dictated by the Cleveland clowns any longer. You see, a long time ago, God reached down and he rescued me. You know, it, it still gets me emotional to this day, because I didn't deserve it didn't deserve it still don't deserve it still garbage you know imagine having a wife that or a, you know women imagine having a husband that, that that cheated on you all the time that that lied to you um that gave you empty promises that literally made you sick to your stomach by things that they did that's what we do to jesus that's what we do to god all of those things and he loves us anyways is that an amazing sentiment today, church? 
If there's nothing else to be thankful for, it's that. That he sees us in our condition and he loves us to death. Literally to death. Was willing to be nailed to a piece of wood for us. Before I moved down here, um, I had an opportunity for a career change. I drove a semi, owned a semi for a long time, and hauled a lot of steel. Uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Michigan, uh, West Virginia, you know, all over, New York. Um, and I, I would pray almost every day. Uh, first, I'd pray that my truck would start because it was extremely cold up there. And, uh, but I would thank God every morning for the ability that, that my father taught me how to do this so that I could provide for my family. And then I would ask him, if there's any possible way one day you could get me out of this truck, it would be awesome. I would do whatever it took, right? So then I get a job offer in Florida to go and be a, a marketing person uh, for a personal injury attorney. <laughs> like, well, wow, okay, cool. I, I didn't know the job would be a thousand miles away, but let's see what happens. Um, but anyways, one day I was in a steel mill, and um, unions, good concept. Uh, union steel workers had it great. Truck drivers that came into union mills, not a good time. Um, they didn't really want to do much. And um, I was a hot-tempered young man at the time. And I was in a steel mill one day, and uh, the, the crane operator refused to load me. And imagine going to work, and the time clock is right there, but you're not allowed to punch it. And there's this big group of guys standing there saying, no, 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 yeah, I'll, let you, I'll let you clock in whenever I feel like letting you clock in. And you can't leave. You just sit there, Right. I would have that every day because if there wasn't a load on my trailer, I wasn't making any money. I got paid by the load. So I would pull into a steel mill and sometimes sit there for anywhere from an hour to five, six, seven hours waiting to pick up one coil that would take them 10 minutes. So I would get very upset. And one day I was in the midst of one of my not-so-proud moments yelling at a crane operator, and this little old guy came up behind me, and somebody was pulling out. I was like, What? And there's this little old guy who looked like he'd lived in that steel mill. I mean, he's like blended in with the walls. And he said, let me ask you a question, young man. And I said, what's that, sir? And he goes, does that guy provide your joy? And I said, what? What are you talking about? Like, you know? And he goes, does he? Does he provide joy for you in your life? And I said, absolutely not. None at all. And he said, then why are you letting him take it? And... I came home and I told my wife that, and ever since then, I have thought about that. I've thought about life that way. And it's amazing concept, if you can remember that. If they don't provide your joy, if it doesn't provide your joy, don't let them take it. Don't let them take it. Your joy comes from Christ the King. In John fifteen eleven. this isn't up on the board. It says, I have told you this so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be complete. So if you think about complete joy can only come from Jesus Christ. Complete joy. So if you're searching for that this morning, come find it. Come find it. It's not hidden from you. It's right out here in the open every day for you to take it. You see, he gives us grace freely, but without the faith, we can't open that up. We have to put our faith in him, church. We have to say, listen to me. You promised complete joy through your words. You didn't promise perfection. You didn't promise everything going right. But you promised that if I put my faith in you, that my joy may be complete. What are your expectations? 
What are your expectations? Like Paul. Like Epaphras. Am I saying that right, Mitch? All right, cool. <laughs> Mitch studied Greek and Hebrew. I mean, I'm probably way off. You know, it's probably eat. Who knows? Whatever. I'm not going to try. <laughs> Let's try to love like Jesus loved. Let's try to live like Jesus lived. We're in this, like, counterculture nowadays where everybody wants to be different, but then everybody becomes the same, and then you wait for somebody else to do something different so that you can do it before anybody else. My kids be like, my, my oldest, my little one hasn't really done this yet, but she will. Um, I liked them before they were mainstream. <laughs> I was like, whoa, are you, are you kidding me? That's, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And now you see their styles that they are. And I was like, we dressed like that in the 80s. <laughs> I was like that before it was mainstream. <laughs> I'm waiting for mullets to come back. That will be awesome. Mitch will rock a mullet, I guarantee it. He's trendy. <laughs> but think about it. Nobody wants to be like anybody else, right? We all want to be different. We all want to be set apart. Well, guess what? God calls us to be set apart, church. He calls us to be different. He calls us to be uh, leaders out in front, preaching his gospel, sharing. You know your priests? He wants you to go out and share the word of God with people. He wants you to talk about how thankful you are for what he did for you. When somebody asks you, why is it that you're a Christian? Why is it that you do the things you do? It's so that you can give to somebody else what he gave to you. Amen? By not telling them that, you're killing them. If you come across somebody and you meet them and they don't know Jesus and you have the opportunity to share him with them and you don't, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We have an amazing opportunity, especially in this country. Everybody wants to complain about everything in this country all the time. Well, this has happened. This is happened. We are free. We walked in here today. Is anybody afraid that when they walk out of here, somebody's going to shoot them for being a Christian or come and take them and put them in a cage and burn them alive? Does anybody fear for that happening to them today? No, you are free to worship. You are free to walk out of here today and go over here to this super hipster place and tell everybody in it that Jesus lives. Amen. Tell them that this Thursday, when you're thinking of something to be thankful for, be thankful for him. That's it. Period. You know, I, I had the blessing of, believe it or not, I never thought I'd say this. I had the blessing of going through a lot of things when I was a kid. And not growing up very good. And being in a lot of trouble. And I can look at it now as a blessing because I got to talk to a lot of people because of it. I got to talk to a lot of bad kids. Bad kids. Um, in jail. Um, in rehab. Um, and, you know, I, I always told him there was a young man who was serving, getting ready to serve life in prison. He was 15 because he had shot somebody at point blank range and killed him. And he gave his heart to Christ, crying on my shoulder. And I told him, and I'll tell you guys this. That doesn't have to be what defines you as a human being. Jesus is what defines you as a human being. Your job does not define you as a human being. Your car does not define you. Guess what? Your wife or your husband does not define you. Your children don't define you. Your bank account, your retirement plans, your vacations, your Facebook. None of these things define you as a human being. What defines you as a human being is Jesus Christ and the fact that he was willing to go to the pine to pay for your sins. 
That's what defines you as a human being. So when somebody asks you, what are you thankful for this week? What are you going to tell them? Crowd participation. What are you going to tell them? Jesus. What about Jesus? Let's hear it. Why are you thankful for Jesus? I can say I'm thankful for Jesus. Why are you thankful for Jesus? Let's hear it. Saved my soul. His grace provides your joy. Come on. We should be yelling out answers right now. You should literally be yelling out answers, crying, just ecstatic for him. Go ahead. Yell something out, hon. Do it. He's with you. He brings you along the way. Adoption. What a beautiful family, right? A beautiful family that you're adopted into. Let me give you this final verse and then we'll close. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Now, we put up 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17? <laughs> I had it wrote down wrong on my notes. And the, the, the verse that Ben put on there was not even close to fitting in with this message. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you some of the things that I didn't hear was losing your job getting demoted at work losing a loved one financial struggles losing an arm you know I've never heard that guy complain about losing his arm one time He calls us to give thanks in all things. In all things. All right, there's no parentheses after all that says, sometimes, (laughs) give thanks in all things. Because why? It's the will of God and Christ Jesus in you. How special do you feel that he's working in you today, church? The God of the universe I don't know if you guys saw that they just discovered a new inhabitable planet in 80,000 years. We can go live on it. (laughs) If that's the case, guess who made that planet? (laughs) And he loves you. He loves you individually. My wife and I went through a hard time several years ago, and there was a little lady in our church in Ohio. And she says, I don't know why this is happening, young man, but I can tell you this. That if you were the only person on this planet, Christ still would have came and died for you. And died for you. And you and you and you and you. And everybody in this church. So let's bow our heads and pray and just give thanks to him this morning.